So we must see ourself clearly. We must see that this self of ours is not self. See that this body and mind is ever changing, stressful and ownerless. And this means to see, uh, to see this, the self truly, to see the true self. So seeing the self, seeing this me and mine, if we see things as me and mine, this means that the mind has delusion, that the mind is lost. We can call this Sakaya Ditti, identity view. If we see things as I and mine, this is what we call Kilesa, or defilement, obstruction. And three uh, types of defilement or obstruction we can call fetters, things that tie the heart world and in Buddhism <clears throat> they're known as they're known to be ten fetters and three the three first ones that are cut off as one sees the Dhamma are Sakaya Didi, identity view attachment to rites and rituals and skeptical doubt these are the first three to be eliminated from the heart when one sees the truth and these are things that tie one to suffering, tie one to birth and death. So one sees things as me and mine, you and yours. And this, uh, this view of things is a very strong view in the heart that's been with us for uh, so many lifetimes. So to see materiality and mentality, rupa and nama, to see them as I and mine, this is uh, the quality of not having correct view, of having wrong view. And Lumpu Cha taught, he said to see the self. And what does this mean? This means to see all materiality and mentality as anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanent suffering and not self, not a me, not a mind, not an I. And the mind sees not self, and when it sees this clearly, these first three fetters are destroyed. This is the arising of a fruit of Dhamma, the mind knowing clearly, and the mind becomes pure, more pure, and suffering decreases, dukkha decreases. So this comes from understanding rupa and nama, uh, for name and form, materiality and mentality, that they just have this arising, then passing away. So we have wisdom to see this truth and to see the self clearly, that the self is not self. This is wisdom arising. In order to see this, the mind needs to be peaceful. The samadhi, the collectedness, needs to be firm. And a mind that has no samadhi, no collectedness, this means a mind that has the five hindrances present the hindrances of one, uh, sensual desire, two, ill will, three, sloth and torpor, four, restlessness and worry, and five, skeptical doubt. So whatever of these five hindrances are present in the mind, they will block the mind or prevent the mind from realizing goodness, from realizing clarity. So whether it's liking or disliking, uh, sleepiness, restlessness, or doubt, when these five hindrances, or these five hindrances, they are arising all the time in our minds to varying degrees. 
and the mind habitually just follows these five hindrances. And when the mind follows the five hindrances, then the mind does not meet with goodness and does not realize peacefulness. The mind does not see the light, is not illuminated, and moods cover over the heart. So this uh, liking, when we have liking, the mind simply follows after the liking, just runs after it. And just like the same way with disliking, the mind just chases after this disliking and follows that mood. And the same with sleepiness, the mind just follows the sleepiness and drowsiness. And with uh, distractedness and restlessness, the mind uh, chases after that as well. And the same with doubting, the mind just chases after that. So the mind following these moods and chasing after them all the time, this is uh, the quality of not having peacefulness, not having collectedness. So given this situation, what should we do? One needs a kamatana, a basis for development, a meditation object, in order to make the mind peaceful. So there are many meditation objects that are taught. One is maranusati, the recollection of death. And one should recollect this often, that one is not, um, is not free from death, that death is inevitable. And we see uh, that all beings must die. And just to reflect for oneself that death is inevitable and one does not know what time or when one will die. Another meditation object is the recollection of the Buddha, the recollection of the qualities of the Buddha. One can recollect the great, <coughs> the great purity of the Buddha, the great compassion, and the great wisdom. One can also recollect the Sangha, known as Sangha Nusati, and recollect how the Sangha, they have destroyed the obstructions of the heart, just like the Buddha, and they have uh, great qualities that we chant in the evening chanting every night. And we can also uh, repeat to ourselves, Bhutto Dhammo Sango, Bhutto Dhammo Sango. This is recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, or we can recollect death. And these are, these are just examples. So whether one is uh, sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, one should recollect one's kamatana, one's meditation object. And whether it's re repeating bhuto, bhuto, or bhuto dhammo sango, or bhutang saranangachami dhammang saranangachami sangang saranangachami, which means uh, taking the Buddha, dhamma, and sangha as one's refuge. And this, these are ways to help the mind become peaceful. So if one does not have a kamatana, does not have a meditation object, then the mind is busy, the mind is distracted, the mind is not peaceful. One has uh, liking, disliking, hatred, fear, uh, greediness, uh, delusion, and the mind gets lost in all these mind states. And the mind is busy and proliferating and not peaceful. So even we can see, sitting here, listening to the Dhamma, the mind can think of, of various things, think here and there. And the body sitting for a long time can become sore and painful. And then we feel annoyed and restless about this, and we think about it, and the mind becomes distracted. 
So um, in this situation, one should come back to the one's meditation object. And this gives the mind a chance um, to be clean, to make the mind cleaner using the meditation object as a basis. And when one does this and one brings one mindfulness back with one's meditation object, then correct views can come back as well. And in order to make the mind peaceful, one should make one's body peaceful first and one's speech peaceful first. And what is this? This is the practice of virtue or sila, the restraint of body and speech. And this assists us in developing uh, peacefulness of mind, developing samadhi. And when one's body and speech are restrained in this way, peacefulness increases. And with this peacefulness as a basis, then wisdom has a chance to arise. And one, and, uh, one sees the self, one knows the self, that the self is not really one's self, it's not one's own. It's just a convention that we use to call it a self. And when we understand this clearly, this is called seeing the Dhamma. And when one sees the Dhamma, one sees the Buddha. So we know that the Buddha has realized Parinibbana, uh, ultimate Nibbana already, um, roughly 2,600 years ago. But this was merely the flesh and bones, the physical uh, components of the body of the Buddha that were, um, that were cremated on that occasion. Or after the Parinibbana, that's... Uh, after that, they were cremated. And the Buddha taught that whoever sees the Dhamma sees the Tathagata. And Lungpu Cha also taught that the Buddha is still here. The Buddha is still here. When you see the Dhamma, you see the Buddha. The Buddha is the Dhamma, and the Buddha is still here. So if one sees the Dhamma, one sees that all materiality and mentality is ever-changing, stressful, and ownerless. And this is equivalent to seeing the Buddha, to seeing the awakened one. So back in the time of the Buddha, when the Buddha had, um, was still alive, one could see the body of the Buddha, but this was not the same as seeing the Dhamma. So we could say that one who saw the body of the Buddha, but did not see the Dhamma, that individual did not really see the Buddha. However, in the present day, if one sees clearly into the Dhamma, one does see the Buddha. So Lumpu Cha gave a, a deep teaching. Lumpu Cha said, oh, so the Buddha can't be born in Thailand, huh? And at the time, I thought to myself, well, the Buddha was enlightened, or was born enlightened, taught and realized Parinibbana in India uh, many years ago. And then after that, the, uh, the members of the Sangha, the venerable uh, noble beings, saw the Dhamma after the Buddha, after hearing the teachings of the Buddha, after hearing the Dhamma, they practiced rightly, they practiced correctly, and thereby became members of the Sangha after the Buddha. The Buddha was one individual who was uh, born and died and taught the Dhamma, and people realized the truth after him and became the Sangha. So I saw the Buddha was one thing, the Dhamma was another, and the Sangha yet another. I saw that there were these three things. But Lumpu Cha said, oh, so the Buddha can't be born in Thailand, can he? 
And I really thought to myself that the Sangha is not the same as the Buddha. Each of these components, the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, each had its own part. But the Buddha did give the teaching that whoever sees the Dhamma, sees the Tathagata, sees the Buddha. And this is the same thing as seeing the Dhamma, to see the Buddha. And reflecting on this, one sees that seeing the Buddha, the Buddha is not different, is not separate than the Sangha. They're the same thing. One can see that an Arahant, one who has fully liberated their mind and is free from all obstructions, free from kilesas, they're not uh, different than the Buddha, who was also an Arahant. The Buddha had the same uh, level of, of purity of heart. So a person who sees the Dhamma to the level of realizing Arahantship are not different than the Buddha. Their mind is the Dhamma, is the Buddha. And these three things are not separate, they're one. It is merely a convention to separate them out and call them different things, to say that the Sangha realize the Dhamma after the Buddha. This is a, just a convention. In reality, it is one thing. We can compare it to a teacher of a subject of any of the various types of um, subjects of study in the world. One can take, for example, the um, subject of medicine. So we can take, for example, one doctor becomes a doctor and becomes a teacher and teaches the subject of medicine, and then that, that doctor dies. But the teachings of that doctor are still there, so others can come along later on after that teacher has died, study that subject, and they can become doctors as well. So um, those who practice well see the Dhamma clearly, and they see the Buddha. They practice. <coughs> And we practice, and we just keep on practicing. Don't give up, keep practicing. And bit by bit, we can see clearly, bit by bit, more and more, see more and more clearly. And we can see clearly if a heavy object is there and no one lifts it, is that object really heavy? And we can look at the six uh, senses of taste, smell, touch, hearing, um, sight, and mental objects. And we can see um, if we don't like or dislike and we don't attach to these sense objects, are they heavy? To ask ourselves that question. If we don't attach to the content of experience, then whatever object is in whatever of the six senses, it merely arises and passes away and um, does not have to be heavy. And if we attach to it and we want that sense object to stay or we want it to go away, then, then it is heavy. However, if we don't cling, if we don't attach, if we don't pick it up, then it's not heavy. So listening to the Dhamma in this way, wisdom can arise. Whatever we're doing, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whether we're lost in thought or distracted in various ways and so on, we practice to have mindfulness to recollect our meditation object and to keep practicing mindfulness. And if we do have mindfulness, then the mind 
is not busy. And if the mind is calm to this level, there's no longer any need to repeat Bhutto or whatever chant we're using. The mind is peaceful at that point. However, if the mind is busy and distracted, one must chant uh, their Kamatana, whether it's Bhutto or whatever chant one has found to be suitable. And one can even lift one's arms up and down while meditating. And one can ask, uh, am I aware of this or not? Do I know this or not? Whether one is quiet, whether one is speaking, whether one is walking here, walking back, whether one is lifting something, putting something down, and all the various activities, one uh, asks, do I know what's going on? Am I aware of this? So one practices to have mindfulness with this. So the Buddha, which we can translate as the, uh, the awakened one, knew what is happening. So this knowing, this having mindfulness with what's happening, this uh, we can say is practicing to make the mind peaceful, which is the practice of shamatha, tranquility, and is not yet vipassana, clear seeing. Uh, the practice of vipassana, or we can say vipassana is to see that things are not a me, not a mind, not an I, that they're ever-changing, stressful, and not self. That is what we call vipassana. So we build mindfulness in order to have this clear seeing. And for us here, we have uh, faith in making merit, in practicing dana or generosity, and in practicing virtue or sila. And um, one of the ways that this faith can manifest, especially with the practice of Buddha Nusati, recollecting the Buddha, is to go on pilgrimage, for example, to India or Nepal or various places, and to see the different uh, Buddhist holy sites, such as the place of birth, enlightenment, uh, first teaching, and parinibbana. And when we go on pilgrimage in this way, we can have perhaps more time to practice than we would if we were back in Thailand at home where we'd have little time to um, practice and meditate or whatever country one lives in. So going on pilgrimage, having uh, more time to focus on one's meditation practice, one can have uh, collectedness arise, one can have rapture and bliss and happiness arise in the body and mind. So this arises and we can see, or we can call this seeing the Buddha to a certain level, to a certain degree in our own hearts. This is a mind that has samadhi. And we see that the body is anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanent, stressful and not self. And we see this clearly. This is seeing the Buddha, seeing the Dhamma, Whoever sees the Dhamma, sees the Tathagata, sees the Buddha. So keep practicing. And this is a way to give solace to one's heart, to give a refuge to one's heart. So may you uh, keep on in your practice. May you have growth and development in the Dhamma and in your lives. May you keep practicing well. May you all be well. May you all grow in blessings.